the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So let's supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. Welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, Please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered to Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not a subject of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. The days are just flying by. Here we are almost at the end of August, two weeks before Labor Day. Vacations are wrapping up. The kids are back from the trips to camp and grandma's house. And now everybody is getting ready for school or they're already in school. Uh, the coming This coming week, I'm going to find some time to visit the Lorraine County Fair. It's being held at the Lorraine County Fairgrounds. That's just a little bit west of uh, Wellington, Ohio, on Route 18. It opens on Monday morning, and it'll be open to the following Sunday. And the end of the fair is kind of a milestone in the in terms of the end of the summertime. In my mind, when the fair is over, we're into the fall. It's one of those old-fashioned fairs where the the kids in the 4-H programs, they still have a large presence there with probably a dozen barns. You know, they've got barns for their, for their horses, for their steers and cows. And you name it, they got hogs and sheep. they got chickens and goats and rabbits. they even got pocket pets. So uh, they, <laughs> pocket pets don't stay there. Otherwise, they, they get lost in all the mayhem. And... When you walk through the barns, the kids are everywhere. They're, they're taking care of the animals, washing and brushing their livestock. You know, they've got to get them ready to show their animals and be judged for how well they've done with their project. And all the parents and the grandparents, they'll be sitting in the stands cheering them on on the day of judging. And, of course, the fair always has the midway and the, and the fair foods just like all county fairs. And they have stage shows on uh, Monday night and Tuesday night. And, uh, you, know, in, you know, they've got horse and pony poles and, and tractor poles on Thursday, combines and truck derbies. And, uh, 
on Saturday, and uh, uh, it was a demolition derby. That's on Sunday the 27th. That's always good for a laugh or two. And, and basically, you know, there's basically something for everybody before summer ends. But, hey, it's like everything else. Just enjoy yourself, but uh, pay attention to what's going on, what's happening, and also what's happening in the world and how that could affect our, our plans for the future, too. Last week, we talked about the change in investors' expectations. You know, now that inflation is, uh, you know, in the 3% range, you know, the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, has measured it in, the, uh, I think, June was 3% over the last 12 months. And then July number was, I think, 3.2%. And the uh, Personal Consumption Expenditure Price Index, the one that the Federal Reserve uses as their uh, inflation measuring device, uh, all of those things that ease down to the 3% level. So uh, investors are no longer asking, you know, how high the Federal Reserve is going to raise the rates, but rather uh, when will the Federal Reserve begin to lower their rates? You know, uh, some predicted that the rates would start to ease down as early as maybe December or January. Uh, but there's a lot of moving parts here, and the issue is still undecided, according to the minutes of the uh, Federal Reserve uh, Open Market Committee uh, meeting, the one that was held uh, last month on July 25th and 26th. The minutes uh, came out on Wednesday about what they talked about uh, behind the scenes about. So the hawks and the doves, of the Federal Reserve have been battling it out over the past uh, few committee meetings. Uh, last month, the the Hawks came out on top when the Fed decided to raise the, uh, the key interest rates by uh, 25 basis points, and this brought the baseline rate to uh, five and a quarter to five and a half percent, and that's the highest it's been since 2007. So. Uh, people wanted to take a look at those minutes uh, for July and basically hope in hopes that the uh, federal get, get some hints as to the Federal Reserve becoming more dovish and uh, giving signs that the uh, Federal Reserve was uh, done hiking rates and when would they start the uh, rate cuts. And, uh, well, based upon the latest minutes, it came out Wednesday. It's kind of uh, kind of clear that the Hawks are still uh, dominating, and and uh, it'll take a few more meetings to really get a good pulse as to when they're going to cut the rates. For instance, the minutes stated that quote with inflation still above the well above the committee's long term goals and the labor market remaining tight, most participants uh, continue to see significant upside risk to inflation, which would require further tightening of monetary policy. But there's still a high degree of uncertainty within the Fed regarding the effects of the prior rate hikes. So um, the, the FOMC, the Federal Open Market Committee, uh, intends to continue its data-dependent approach to policy and its firm commitment to bring inflation down. That, that sounds very legalese, doesn't it? All in all, the minutes present a picture of a of a discussion, a thoughtful discussion, where both the hawks and the doves presented uh, uh, their sides of the issue. Uh, for instance, if you take a look at the uh, summary of the meeting, uh, quote, the, the minutes of the July 25th and 26th Federal Open Market Committee meeting reflects a resilient U.S. economy and financial sector. And as the FOMC deliberations uh, deliberate, deliberations three weeks ago, 
Uh, growth has been stronger than expected. Stress in the banking sector appears well-contained. The labor market is deemed very tight in the minutes, and with imbalances in labor supply and demand gradually coming back into balance, inflation measures are moving in the right direction towards the Fed's 2% objective, uh, if not enough to satisfy policymakers who are united in ensuring that the inflation does return uh, you know, to uh, the objective. Uh, inflation expectations were firmly anchored. So uh, the minutes also continued that the in discussing downside risk to economic activity and inflation, uh, participants considered the possibility that the cumulative tightening of monetary policy could lead to a sharper downturn in the economy than expected as well as the possibility that the effects of the tightening of bank credit conditions could prove more substantial than anticipated. So basically what you're seeing is the argument that, hey, we have to keep the uh, keep the rates, uh, if not higher, at least keep the high rates longer uh, to make sure that inflation is under control versus the idea of, hey, uh, keeping these rates as high as they are today isn't free in that uh, uh, what you're giving up is growth of the economy and stifling the growth. And uh, the uh, in assessing the risks of another rate hike at the July meeting, a number of the participants judged that with the, uh, with the stance of monetary policy, in the restrictive territory, risk to the achievement of the committee's goals have been more have been more two-sided, and it was important that the committee's decision balance the risk of an inadvertent over-tightening of policy against the cost of an insufficient tightening. On net, uh, Fed policymakers appear to think that the risk of easing up on restrictive monetary policy too soon is preferable to keeping the Fed's uh, Fed funds target rate higher for a little for a little too long. Well, uh, basically, they don't want to be uh, accused of causing another recession by keeping it on too long, but they'd also don't want to I don't want to repeat the blunder that was made in the set 19. 19- 70s. It's known as Burns's blunder, and uh, at which point they, uh, early in the 70s, they ramped up the rates and had the inflation coming down. But then they eased off the break, and and uh, inflation uh, uh, ramped up again. And, and you know the rest of the story. It got completely out of hand by the end of the uh, 70s. Uh, Paul Volcker came in and, and cured inflation by raising the uh, Fed funds rates to 20%. You know, we're we're playing around with 5.5%, and uh, uh, that 20% number did the job, but it also uh, it also resulted in a uh, in a recession where the unemployment reached uh, 11%. Uh, right now, the unemployment is about three and a half percent, which is a, a fifty-year low. So we're in, we're in good shape now. I don't think we want to go back to those days. So indeed, in, in the minutes, uh, while showing that the rate increases, uh, rate increase vote was unanimous at the July meeting, also showed that the committee members are mindful that inflation forces are weakening. And that they must be prepared to, you know, to switch gears and start reducing the rates, lest they cause a uh, a recession, a sharp downturn in the economy. If you take a look at the economy. Hey, uh, it's been slowed uh, by the rate increases. If the rate increases have been a drag on the economy, but the economy is still strong. Uh, 
we see it from the uh, manufacturing has slowed down. Uh, uh, the labor market still very strong and tight, uh, but labor demand has been easing. You know that's been shown by the decline in the job openings and the and the lower quit ratios and the more part time work and more uh, moderate rate of wage uh, growth. And even home construction, we'll talk about home construction later in the show. That's recovering uh, from the mortgage rate increases, you know, with the uh, uh, the single family construction, uh, home construction was up 6.7% in July. Uh, industrial production, that's been, that increased 1% in July after being down slightly in both May and June, you know, the consumer, the consumer is still spending. If you take a look at the retail and food uh, sales, uh, they were up seven-tenths of 1% in July. And the consumer will, uh, will, will continue spending as long as the labor market is tight and the people have, uh, people have some confidence that, uh, they have a job and their future is secure. So economists are seeing the economy growing at uh, 2% on average this year. And a survey of economists by Bloomberg, uh, they see the Federal Reserve, Federal Reserve holding interest rates high for longer and the risk that a uh, stronger economy uh, will keep inflation above their a two percent goal. Uh, they, although they don't see rate increases, they see uh, keeping their best guess uh, is that the Federal Reserve will keep these rates higher than uh, uh, we anticipate. So uh, we may get some more information you know, regarding uh, Chairman Powell's thinking. Because he's the keynote speaker at the Federal Reserve Symposium at Jackson Hole. Uh, that happens this coming Friday. And, uh, and uh, in addition, we'll, we'll see what happens at the September meeting of the uh, Federal Open Market Committee. In addition, you know, if we look around the world, uh, Asia is also concerned uh, with China, which is experiencing, experiencing the worst decline in exports since the COVID crisis in February of 2020. For instance, in July, China's exports uh, were down 14.5%, and the imports were down 12.4%. And uh, that's coupled with a uh, prolonged housing crisis where uh, the giant uh, housing developers basically are going broke, uh, you know, and uh, so China is, uh, China would look like it was going to come on like gangbusters after they relaxed their COVID uh, restrictions, but uh, apparently they're taking their time getting rolling again. This week, global equities were generally down everywhere as investors interpreted the minutes of the Federal Reserve Open Market Committee meeting of July uh, uh, July, 6th, July 16th, they uh, concluded that the Federal Reserve will keep the Fed funds rate higher for longer, uh, that together with uh, China's economic problems of uh, falling exports, together with a prolonged housing crisis, and that Contributed to the uh, the downward uh, uh, losses in the, in Asia. In the United States, the three major stock indices: the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the Standard and Poor 500, and the Nasdaq Composite, were all down for the week. In the UK, the FTSE 100 was down for the week, and in the European Union. Uh, Germany's DAX and the stock Europe 600 were both down for the week, while in Asia, uh, everything was down too. And Japan's Nikkei 225 was down, and China, both the Shanghai Composite 
and Hong Kong's Hang Seng were down. Hang Seng were down for the week. So on Friday, the three major U.S. Uh, stock indices closed the week at the Dow closed at thirty-four thousand five hundred point six six, and it was down two point two one percent for the week. The Standard and Poor closed at four thousand three hundred. 69.71, and it was down 2.11% uh, uh, for the week. And the NASDAQ composite closed at 13,290.78, and it was down 2.59% uh, uh, for the week. So all in all, what we're seeing is a, uh, a market that's trying to figure out uh, you know, what the Federal Reserve is going to do, and uh, also looking at what's happening overseas with uh, uh, China. And uh, it's one of those things where the the, uh, the data is not, uh, well, the data is, is uh, uh, not clear as to really what's going to happen in this regard. So this is uh, Jim McAlee. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, you can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. That's 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. You know, when we talk about what's happening in the big picture, uh, that's important because uh, uh, that tells us, uh, gives us some insight into uh, what's happening to our investments and our investments are a very integral part of our uh, financial plan. And our financial plan is basically uh, how are we going to uh, attain all the goals that we have, be it when we're young, we're looking for uh, a car and an apartment. And uh, as we grow up, we're looking for uh, a family and, uh, spouse and children and, and all the responsibilities of a uh, the standard of living for a family. Uh, you've got your career. Uh, there's goals there. There's goals in the in the uh, uh, the money supply. If you take a look and say, okay, how am I going to achieve these goals? You're doing the same thing that the CEO of your company is doing in terms of defining those goals and saying, okay, uh, what assets do I have, uh, be it in tangible assets like uh, uh, money and uh, bank accounts and, and uh, 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 land or real estate or intangible assets like uh, education and experience and uh, know-how. So, how do you use your assets uh, to achieve your goals? And it basically, in most cases, we sit down and go over what is, what is coming into the household uh, in terms of salaries and things of this nature or rents and things like that and say, okay, how do we save or allocate part of that to the future? to meet our future goals in terms of uh, maybe the house uh, a house down payment, uh, maybe uh, uh, education for the children, uh, all the things that are necessary to, to, to keep uh, the standard of living for the family up. Uh, also, how about retirement? And how about uh, 
along with retirement comes the uh, you know the concerns about old age in terms of uh, uh, medical expenses and unknowns and things of this nature. So uh, all that thing, all those things can be put on a piece of paper and argued about and discussed about, you know, within the family and with your financial advisor and and agreed upon as to what the most important parts are and how you're going to achieve those. And, uh, oh, you know, uh, how do you take care of unforeseen events? How do you use your insurance? Be it your life insurance or be it your, you know, to uh, uh, try to protect the family against the death or uh, property and casualty insurance to try to protect the family against uh, uh, liabilities and uh, uh, damages due to, you know, due to fires and hurricanes and things of this nature. So uh, all that stuff gives you a map that really focuses on your goals as well as also focuses on protecting uh, your plans to make sure that if crazy things happen, unforeseen things happen, then uh, you're protected there too. So you have to do the thinking and you have to do the, the planning. You have to develop the roadmap. And a roadmap is um basically it's a it's a planning device, but it's also a planning device in the sense that once you develop the plan, even if things don't work out according to the plan, just by going through the concepts of thinking about what could happen here, what could happen there, uh, all those things that you have to think about in planning, all of that uh is is it is very very valuable as you go through life, you know. That was the uh, General Eisenhower, uh, basically in terms of planning for the Normandy invasion. Uh, he realized that uh, things might not go according to plan, but if you go through the planning process, you all you obviously are going to develop. Uh, contingency plans. You're also going to think about what could possibly go wrong here and protect yourself against those. So, and that's basically where your financial plan fits. You've got a roadmap. Uh, uh, most of the time, you'll be on the road according to the roadmap and things will be okay. You can use it to make decisions about uh, uh, do you want to change your goals? If you do change your goal and add a goal, uh, what are you going to give up uh, to put that goal into your plans? Uh, are you happy with it? Does your spouse agree with that? Uh, uh, is that the best for you and your family? So, and is that are you taking too much risk? Uh, and basically, what is, what is your uh, circumstance look like in terms of uh, the uh, you know the family and uh, how the family's doing. So all those things are are part of a financial plan. It's the planning process, going through, arguing, solidifying around. These are your goals. This is how we're going to get here, and here's how we're going to modify it. Nothing stays the same, and nothing is guaranteed in terms of. Oh, this is uh, this will work like uh, a charm. You always have to have <laughs> you always have to have your plan B, or you maybe even your plan C or D, uh, because uh, things don't change, and uh, basically we are not in charge of that much in this world. So we have to uh, uh, take a look at the federal government to figure out what's going on here. So. Uh, so planning is important, and uh, that's basically what we do in terms of helping you go through the planning. This is Jim McAleese. Uh, you can give us a you can give us a call. My toll free number is eight one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Now stay tuned. I'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. 
Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese. Get rich slow. This is your your uh, and this is your host Jim McAleese. And basically, what we're seeing is the, the economy uh, is getting stronger in in even in even with these restrictions uh, from the Federal Reserve. And I think when we talk about this uh, concept of when is the Federal Reserve going to uh, start to lower the rates. Uh, it's important, but in the big picture, the most important thing is that uh, we have turned the uh, uh, we have turned the corner in terms of inflation, and now that it's down to three percent, we could argue about getting down from three to two and stuff like that. But basically, and and also we could argue about exactly when that's going to happen. Uh, but just the idea that, uh, hey, uh, uh, inflation is becoming under control and uh, uh, the economy is still strong where there's no recession in sight. And uh, basically the, the question is, uh, uh, expectations are anyhow, that the uh, when the rates come down, both the stock market as well as the bond market uh, will start to move up. So uh, when it happens in the exact month, there's something is, is less important than the first fact that we have turned the corner and are moving in a positive direction now, as opposed to 2022, where uh, it was just uh, you know one cliff after another cliff. Okay, let's talk about uh, uh, one of the strengths of the economy is this uh, new home construction. And, you know, new home construction uh, really took a hit when the uh, mortgage money, the 30-year mortgage money, it, it was at a low of 2.7% in, in early 2021. Uh, but basically now it's... Uh, uh, somewhere around seven point, around seven percent. It could be seven point oh nine if you uh, look at Ginny uh, uh, May or Freddie Mac, or it could be seven point one six percent if you look at the Mortgage Bankers Association. Uh, but it is around seven percent, and the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. They keep track of new home construction in their monthly report, uh, and uh, it's called Monthly New Residential Construction, basically for July of 2023. And it shows that uh, new home sales were up 3.9% in July after a decrease in June, and the increase is mostly uh, due to an increase in the uh, single-family home starts in July. 
In fact, the single family home starts in July mounted to 6.7% increase. And the, uh, the starts for multifamily homes have been a, a big support for home building in the second half of 2022 and early 2023. But now the starts for multifamily has uh, slowed down. And uh, compared to a year ago, uh, the starts for new homes are up uh, uh, 5.9% uh, from uh, uh, July 2022. And uh, uh, starts for single-family home sales are up 9.5%. Uh, demand for new home construction is being driven by a lack of existing homes for sale, and that is just about everybody who had a mortgage refinanced it during the when the interest rates were down in the three percent region, and uh, now they uh, they're reluctant to uh, uh, jump out into the housing market again and uh, trade that three percent in for seven percent. Uh, mortgage, according to the National Association of Realtors, I think there's about a two-month supply of existing homes for sale. So people go look for a home, and they're uh, they're looking at the same homes. And uh, so uh, the uh, the idea here is that let's take a look at the new home uh, construction too. And uh, so this is where uh, the builders are. are Facing that uh, silver lining, if you take a look and say, "Okay, what is the what does the starts look like?" Uh, if we take a look at the starts in July uh, versus June, uh, in in total, the uh, total starts for July are up three point nine percent above June. Uh, and uh, for the single family, they're up 6.7, and for the multifamily, they're up zero. So, and if we take a look at it, we say, okay, let's take a look and say, uh, compare it to uh, July of 2023 to July of 2022, a year ago. What you'll see is that uh, the uh, single family home. Uh, starts are up 9.5%. The multifamily starts are up four-tenths of 1%. So the total is up about 5.9%. And uh, if we take a look and we say, okay, how about year-to-date? <clears throat> what are we seeing in the year-to-date from January uh, through July for 2022 versus two thousand? And 23. So, what we see there is something dramatically different in the sense that uh, year to date, the single family starts are down 17%, and the multifamily starts are down 1.2%, and the total starts are down 12.49%. So, we see that even though the July numbers uh, look fantastic. That getting to July, there's some there were some big holes in uh, home construction uh, because we're still down, uh, you know, year to date we're still down 12.5 percent, and give you an idea what that really means in terms of uh, homes. Uh, it starts uh, comparing the uh, single family starts. In uh, 2022 to 2023, in 2022 for the single family, there were 653,000 uh, homes that were started uh, year to date in 2022 versus 539,800 in 2023. In multifamily, it was 229,000 versus 200 and and 96,000 for 2023. So basically what you're seeing is that uh, the year in terms of the total year 2023 has been 
down about 12%. Uh, July, for probably August, and, and the, in the rest of this uh, year will probably be very good as far as uh, home construction. In fact, uh, if you take a look at the housing market index, and that uh, shows that residential construction picked up in July and uh, and home builders' confidence uh, uh, basically fell a little bit with the rising mortgage rates. According to the National Association of Home Builders and their Wells Fargo Marketing Index released last week, builders' confidence in the market for newly built single-family homes uh, in August uh, is at 50, at 50, which is their neutral point. And according to Alicia Yu, who is the uh, National Association of Home Builders chairperson, a quote, rising mortgage rates and high construction costs uh, stemming from a, a dearth of uh, construction workers, a lack of buildable lots, and ongoing shortages of distribution transformers puts a chill on builder sentiment in August. But while this latest confidence reading is a reminder that housing affordability is an ongoing challenge, demand for new construction continues to be supported by a lack of resale inventory as many homeowners elect to stay put because they're locked in at lower mortgage rates. Their uh, National Association of Home Builders chief economist, uh, Robert Dice, remarked, quote, declining customer traffic is a reminder of the larger challenge, challenge that shelter inflation is up 7.7% from a year ago, and is accounting for uh, a striking 90% of July's consumer price index reading of 3.2%. Quote, the best way to bring housing inflation down and ease the housing affordability crisis is to enact policies at all levels of government that will allow builders to construct more homes to address a nationwide shortage of approximately uh, one and a half million housing units. <clears throat> well, I don't know how you do that because uh, that's certainly a problem that uh, they've been, I'd say they've been working for the last year on. Uh, the, uh, also, the, the August uh, Housing uh, Manufacturing Index survey revealed that rising mortgage rates are causing more builders to use sales incentives to attract, to attract home buyers. So after dropping steadily for four months from 31% in March to 22% in July, the share of builders cutting prices to boost sales rose again in 25% in August. So the average decline for builders Reducing prices remained at six percent, and uh, so there. If you're dealing with, <laughs> if you're negotiating with your builder, there's a number to keep in mind. The average decline for builders uh, reducing prices remained at six percent, and the share of builders using incentives to bolster sales was basically fifty-five percent in August higher than in July, but still lower than in December. December, it was uh, 62%. So uh, <clears throat> home construction is picking up, basically, the silver lining due to the uh, more, even in, in spite of the mortgage uh, rate increases. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh you can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. We'll be right back in a minute. There's a man who leads a life of danger. 
everyone he meets, he stays a stranger. Have a safe as a bug in a rug. <laughs> Odds are he won't live to see tomorrow. Secret agent. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim Backley. You know, we're looking at the economy and saying, okay, uh, the economy is uh, strong. Uh, I can see why the Federal Reserve is uh, concerned about the uh, uh, keeping their rates up, but I really want to see them start pushing those rates down. Uh, and the looks of it, from what you're seeing here, uh, we just took a look at uh, home construction. Uh, it's going well. Uh, industrial production. Uh, this week, the Federal Reserve reported in their industrial production and capacity utilization that industrial uh, production increased 1% in July from June. Uh, and that's after uh, June's industrial production was down eight-tenths of a percent, and May's was down four-tenths of a percent. So we've seen that in previous reports. We saw it in the uh, reports from the uh, Federal Reserve. We've also seen it in the uh, Institute of Supply Management reports. It basically showed that uh, the manufacturing sector has been slowing down. Nothing is falling through the floor, but uh, just the uh, increase in the rates as well as the uh, difficulty in getting uh, uh, skilled uh, workers is, is really hindering uh, in industries. So uh, the, uh, the, in July, industrial uh, uh, industrial products in, in, industri in July, industrial production is down two-tenths of a percent from July a year ago. So industrial production, according to the report, industrial production was up one percent in July from June, but down two-tenths of a percent from July a year ago. In addition, capacity utilization increased to 79.3 in July from 78.6 in uh, June. And uh, basically the way that the Federal Reserve uh, classifies industrial production, they look at manufacturing that's about 75% of it. Uh, mining is about 15%, and the utilities are about 10%. So manufacturing increased uh, uh, half of 1% in July. And basically, compared to a year ago, it's down 7 tenths of 1%. So down a little bit over, over the past year, but up uh, in July. But even even the very fact that it was down a little bit, it, it was down not enough to worry about. Uh, if we take a look at the durable goods manufacturing part of it, the durable goods manufacturing was up eight tenths of a percent, uh, and uh, in July, and up three tenths of a percent from a year ago. And the ones that stand out the most there are. Uh, motor vehicle and parts, uh, that was up 5.2% in July and up 10.3% from a year ago. Uh, machinery was up 1.3% in uh, July, but down 2.2% from a year ago. Uh, computers and electronic products, that was up 1% in uh, July and up 2.4% of July a year ago, and aerospace, which is basically air, you know, air, air Boeing and, and uh, aircraft production, uh, that was up six tenths of a percent in July and up 1.1% from a year ago. And now, if you turn our attention to uh, non durable goods, non durable manufactured goods, that increased only one-tenth of one percent 
uh, in July. It was down 1.6% from a year ago. And the leaders in that particular area were textiles. That was a... That was up 3.1%, but down 4.5% from a year ago. Uh, Petroleum and coal uh, was up 1.1% in July and and up 2.8% from a year ago. Printing uh, was up two-tenths of a percent uh, in July and down 7.1% from a year ago. And chemicals. <clears throat> we're up one tenth of a percent in July and up one point four percent uh from a year ago. So you know we also look at mining. Uh mining was up uh, uh five tenths of a percent in July and up two percent from a year ago. And utilities in July were up five point four percent uh and down nine nine-tenths of one percent uh, for the year. So basically what the utilities were up sky high because of all the heat and all the air conditioning, and uh, that put a tremendous demand on the uh, <clears throat> on the electrical system. Uh, if we continue on in terms of what's manufacturing doing, uh, each one of the Federal Reserve banks puts out some sort of a uh, a little report that talks about what's happening in their little area uh, in the the Philadelphia manufacturing business outlook is a good example of that. And it came out for August. And uh, uh, the Federal Reserve basically gathers manufacturing data. uh, Each one of these 12 strategically Situated Federal Reserve banks, they they provide a big picture view of the country, and uh, what they're showing us in the big picture is that industrial production for July was up one percent, manufacturing output was up five tenths of a percent in July, uh, mining output was up five tenths of a percent. Utility output was up 5.4%. Now, if you look at uh, uh, the localized version, let's say for Philadelphia, which is basically manufacturing along the eastern seaboard, manufacturing activity in the region expanded overall, according to firms uh, responding to the August Manufacturing Business Outlook Survey. The survey's indicator for general activity, new orders, and shipments were all positive for the first time since May of 2022. However, the firms reported a decline in employment on balance. The price indices remain near uh, long-term averages and expectations for growth over the next six months uh, were less widespread. And most of the survey's future indices remain positive, but declined. <clears throat> so what you see is the uh, of the survey, approximately 26% of the surveyed companies or executives said that their uh, August was better than July. Uh, 10% said no, it was the uh, it was worse. Shipments. said that shipments had improved in August. Uh, 14% said no, they had had gone the other way. Uh, So basically what you're seeing is that uh, there's been a a slight improvement in the uh, manufacturing in uh, in the eastern seaboard in the Philadelphia thing. But we we just we saw that already uh, in the discussion about the industrial production. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. I was browsing through the internet and I saw a quote attributed to Audrey Hepburn. It went like this. Nothing is impossible. The word itself says, I'm possible. There should be no limits to our dreams and goals. Remember, we can achieve anything we can imagine because we're special. And being special, there are things to remember and one thing to never forget. Always remember your presence is a present to the world, that you are unique and one of a kind, and that your life can be what you want it to be if you take the days just one at a time. You remember to need to remember to count your blessings, not your troubles, and trust that you'll make it through whatever comes along. Remember that within you are so many answers. You just need to understand, to have courage, to be strong. Remember not to put limits on yourself. So many dreams are waiting to be realized. Remember that decisions are too important to leave to chance. You need to reach for your peak, your goal, or your prize. Always remember that nothing wastes more energy than worrying, and the longer one carries a problem, the heavier it gets. And also, remember, don't take things too seriously. You need to live a life of serenity, not a life of regrets. Always remember that a little love goes a long way, and remember that a lot goes on forever. Remember that friendship is a wise investment and life's treasures are its people. Always remember that it is never too late and to try to do ordinary things in an extraordinary way. Enjoy your health, your hope. Enjoy your happiness. Remember you need to take the time to actually wish upon a star sometimes. And don't ever forget, for even a day, how special that you are. And so, be all that you can be, and don't go to your grave with your music still inside of you. So, until we meet again next week, for more Get Rich Law, may God protect you and keep you safe. You've been listening to Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese of Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. Located at 47149 Bursley Road, Wellington, Ohio, 44090, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc., The materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstone's Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc. Next Financial Group does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price-weighted index of 30 actively traded blue-chip stocks. To make an appointment with Jim regarding your own finances, call 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.